0: Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a
1: foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics.
0: I have one of the best people that the hunting industry has brought to me brought into my life. Um, Mr. Alex Gruen of East West Hunts. Man, we've been buddies for a while now, probably about three years. I mean, you were I think your first episode was like I don't know, maybe in the teens. Yeah. And this yeah, is one something like that. We're recording one seventy nine right now you know, kind of crazy. I know it. It's good uh, on you, man. You've been
1: crushing
0: it. Hey, I, I, I couldn't do it without an awesome support cast like Alex tonight. Um, this was a conversation that we were planning to have, or at least I was planning to ask Alex to have at some point. Um, I wasn't sure when it would happen, but <clears throat> just to show you how good of a guy Alex is, he's kind of like bailing me out a little bit tonight because he's so flexible. Um, uh, I needed I needed a good guest, a good story, and I've just been so slammed lately with harvest season and um trying to get out and hunt a little bit and uh, I've been um interviewing on quite a few other podcasts here as of late, so um you know you need a good a good co-host like Alex who's always available. Um, and he's got a couple of really good stories to tell too, cause he's been on two Western hunts already this fall and, uh, he's got a whole new list of things that he's learned. So we're going to dive into that. But I, I was thinking too, tonight while I was in the combine finishing up, um, I should probably talk about some of those other podcasts I've been on just so you can, uh, go check them out and, uh, some guys that have become good friends through the industry as well. Um, uh, let's see here uh brent barnett i've been on his show twice now so there's like a three-part series uh which is on the brown just like look up brownfield ag news and um it's their i believe their only outdoor show so it's like a radio program but so like i actually listened to the interview on the radio but then it's also aired as a podcast too so if you just look up Brownfield Ag News, it'll take you to like a radio website. Look up their outdoor show, and um, you can you can uh, kind of search for those. And uh, then also, I was on, um, and Brent was a guest on this podcast as well. By the way, uh, Jake Hofer's uh, show, The Land Podcast. Um, that was like, I think that aired maybe two or three weeks ago. So you can go back and check that one out. That was a ton of fun talking with Jake. Just really, I, sometimes we just meet, I shouldn't even say sometimes, a lot of times we just meet guys that are just really, really cool guys to talk to. And, um, I you know what guy I really want to talk to again, by the way, Alex is, uh, huh. Jameson from Maine, the moose hunter. Oh yeah. What a yeah, cool guy, you know, Jameson, yeah. have you ever had Lyme disease? Oh, yeah. Three, four, maybe five times. <laughs> <It's> like, okay. <laughs> just hardcore. Uh, Those guys are so hardcore up there. But uh, They're
1: hardcore, and I just love listening to their accents, and that, I'm sure they feel the same about us. That's right. <laughs> that's right.
0: All of our northern accent. Oh, so good. But, uh, no, uh, so anyways, Jake is like Jameson. You're just glad to know him. Just such a cool guy, a guy that I could definitely hang out with and, and hunt with. Um so you go over, check out the land podcast, and like I said, it's a couple interviews ago. And then um two that haven't aired yet. Uh um, let's see here. Uh Andrew uh Lukosevic from a few ep- from Endure Hunt from a few episodes ago. He had me on his show, and I think that one airs like maybe next week. So be looking for that. And then finally, um a guy who I met through uh, our mutual friend, Doug Duren, uh, mm. is George Blitch. And uh, isn't that just like, sounds like a Western gunslinger, George Blitch. Yes, yes. Like, he could, he could have been at the OK Corral, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, I love it. But uh, no, it. George George. Had me on his show, which uh is a play on his name, and uh it is the son of a Blitch podcast and uh yes. had a lot of fun talking with with um uh George and we went all over the map really he asked me some questions that I've never been asked before, and uh That's good. I, I, yeah, I always like that when when interview. When interviewers do that to the interviewee, you know it's like you get into water that you don't hear. And um, you know, go check out those guys' uh, shows. They got some great information on there. George's interviewed all kinds of people who are uh, connected to meat eater in some way, and uh, and people well outside of that realm too. Uh, a lot of food emphasis over there on George's show which is um kind of cool because I think for a while there there was a lot of food emphasis in uh, the hunting space but it seems to kind of have fallen in the background again a little bit mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. I mean there's still guys out there like our buddy Nick Otto from Huntivore who's who's crushing yeah. it and uh but you know guys like Nick are not that common so it's good to hear that That, uh, you know, chefs speak every now and then. Helps us stay creative with the wild game. I think one of the reasons why there was such a, like, stagnation with hunting for so long is because the food side of it was not celebrated at all outside of the guys who were doing the hunting, you know. Like, I think a lot of people were grossed out by... Eating wild game, and uh, then uh, some of these guys like Hank Shaw, Stephen um really those two, even Anthony Bourdain a little bit, kind of kind of went in that direction. And uh, Andrew Zimmern, um, uh, some of these really well-known people connected to the food world started to show how how uh, much use you could get from wild game. And not just in burger and summer sausage, but in really delicious um, dishes. And uh, so, you know, I think it's good to uh, to look into that stuff. But, but, yeah, so you can go check out those guys' shows. You'll uh, find interviews there with me. Might be kind you know, it's. It, I, I often think of this. I, I'm doing it right now, monologuing. And when you host a <laughs> podcast, uh, you... Like your listeners hear your voice, but you're almost like as a tour guide. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're like, That's a good way of looking at it. you're, you're taking, yeah, you're just taking them through this experience, which is the interview. And, um, you know, you don't really, unless it's like a, you know, like when Alex and I or Caleb and I, are, remember we used to do those hunt therapy episodes and oh, now, yeah. now we do some of the pick and bones, like. Like um, Unless we're doing stuff like that, you don't really get to hear like maybe viewpoints uh, or whatever. You're just kind of hearing from the guests, but well, you might hear some new things from me after 179 episodes <laughs> if you go uh, listen to some of those interviews on some of those podcasts. So um, definitely check them out, but we're happy you're here for the First Jet Hunter podcast. Um, you guys have been so good to me, been seeing uh, some great reviews that have come in, and um, uh, love hearing from people who who tune into the show and uh, give a shout. Uh, love to hear from more of you. Um, there's been a lot going on in the Deer Woods already this year. I would say uh, Garrett Fike, as I said earlier this week in a Pick and Bones episode, has already tagged out. Uh, well, not tagged out in Illinois. It's kind of weird. You get a you can hunt um, two tags, two buck tags, and you can use one for archery season and i think the other one uh is you're allowed to use during the gun season and you can fill it or you can fill it uh with your bow as well i think or you can just, maybe it's just you can bow hunt during the gun season now i maybe that's how it is i think that's what it is so he's got one more tag left in illinois but got a got a um uh uh awesome illinois buck down uh, already this year and um, another friend Alex Earhart who's been on this show before um, to talk about gear and camping and and that side of things he uh, uh, just shot a buck last night but that story is still ongoing so hopefully it ends up oh. being a happy ending <laughs> for him but but uh, we'll we'll wait and see but the point being uh, there's been some action out there. That's that's uh, already going down. So <clears throat> hopefully, if uh, you've had a chance, you get out in the woods. But Alex, you were just out tonight, man. Give us a little rundown on what you saw.
1: Well, I saw a lot of deer and a lot of water. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> <laughs> a little soggy, I huh? Did.
1: You know, I, I saw the forecast saying that it was going to be it was going to be rainy, but it was only supposed to rain from four to five and then quickly it changed to four to six and then I'm just like I'm not going to sit here in the rain if these deer aren't moving and I've I've never sat this spot before I've never hunted this area it was public and uh, I really needed to scout it some more so I decided to go back I got in my truck I realized somebody else had come into that area so hopefully i didn't booger him up too much and then i ended up driving around and um i just really wanted to see some bordering areas because there's there was crops on public and then there were crops on private and there were a bunch of different just transition areas i wanted to see what was what was going on i actually saw a ton of deer on both public and private Mm. i probably saw I don't know. I probably saw 10 bucks. Um, Two of them were pretty nice. Um, And when I say pretty nice for Michigan, that's like a, you know, 130 inch deer. Hey. (laughs) Uh, So I'll take it. Yeah. And, you know, the rest was, you know, a bunch of spikes and and stuff like that.
0: Were they just feeding out in the open or or, uh, what were they doing?
1: Yeah. All of them were feeding out in the open. They were all bachelored up. And then I saw probably 40 doe whoa and you know little pockets kind of a thing you know i'd see three or four of them i i'll i i will take that back on one group i saw they were they were on public crossing onto private and they there were three bucks and then probably 10 minutes later i saw five does Cross the road and go feed. Kind of in the same vicinity with them. They weren't hanging out together or not. But uh, I mean, honestly, action pack night. At the end, it was probably an hour to go. I got to this spot that was a wheat field, and then just a—I don't know if it was grass or what. What was there? But it was cut already. And um, right, right in the middle of the field were kind of like pockets of trees. Hmm. And there was a, there was a doe in the field and I was like, and it's raining, right? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go try to run this wheat field edge, try to get into a a good spot and see if I can stalk up to her. And I don't know what happened. You know, I'm I'm trying to video all these things, which I I will be the first to tell you, it is a pain in the rear. (laughs) Um, So I'm like grabbing an extra battery, grabbing my GoPro and grab my bow and i didn't grab any rain gear i'm like you know i'll forget it like i'm just gonna go i know i'm gonna have to you know i know i'm gonna have to dry my stuff out but i didn't intend to be out there very long and and i don't know it was probably 20 minutes i i got under this apple tree there was no dough in sight so i don't know if she just boogered out or she just slowly moved out by the time I got there or whatever the case was, but I couldn't see in the wheat fields and I was soaked. I mean, my, I had down pants on Oh no. that I was, I was uh, wearing just cause I was, I was getting cool. And, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a fun night. I got back to the truck, a wet goose. And, <laughs> it was so funny. I don't even know how, but like the, the, the pants were full of sand like when i sat down oh. in my truck so i i was i was just laughing i'm like this sucks i'm i gotta go back luckily i have i have a washer and dryer in my cabin here i oh, good. uh wash my stuff and and now right now it's drying so
0: <laughs> <laughs> good you're burning up that scent-free uh laundry detergent and uh, yeah. the, the scent the scent-free uh what are they the dryer sheets
1: I, you know i don't have the dryer sheets i i just um i always use scent proof stuff but i got to be honest i just play the wind yeah like well, i you know i yeah that's I the, that's
0: to me that's number 1 like if yeah. you got to play the wind right number 2 is you try and get scent free as best as you can which is yeah washing your stuff in the you know, scent free laundry detergent, mm-hmm. um, uh, showering and using the scent free soap and shampoo, um, yep. and then, you know, scent free deodorant, like all that stuff. Yep. Like if you, you know, that's a good second layer. And then maybe like for a third layer, um, I like to use a cover scent nose jammer has just been, uh, just been so, so, uh, well, that's what tested. I use tonight. Yeah, and I've even found that even if the wind isn't exactly perfect for you, those jammer helps pick up the slack. Um, it's just dude, I've, I've, it's an amazing product. I've had really, deer
1: follow it. Yeah, oh, really? I, I know. I know some people think it's it's bogus, but I uh, I've yeah, used I've, it for years, and I've, I've I've literally had deer follow my footsteps.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and I've watched it work one time. Uh, <clears throat> so if It's one of the earliest episodes. I think it's episode three. I talk about this buck that I shot twice with a muzzleloader, and uh, I didn't recover him until three years later. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Jake and I had to give up on him after we'd been following him for about five hours, and he just kept getting up and moving, and it's like, well, we're never going to catch up to him. But anyways, um, when I shot him, the it was like right after sunrise and we were facing let's see here <clears throat> we were facing uh kind of north yeah kind of north and he was facing south and you know okay. in the winter time the sun is like you know obviously it rises in the east sets in the west but it's like angled from the south right yeah. <clears throat> it, because it's over the you know the sun is shining directly on the tropic of of capricorn during our winter and uh, this was a late season hunt and so that sun angle is real low um but the the way it was kind of cresting over the hill and the way he was looking at us he must have been looking kind of east at us too it he just like couldn't see us really because the sun was kind of behind us and um I guess it wasn't really sunrise. It was like maybe an hour after sunrise. And robotic. and uh, so he was kind of blinded by the sun. But he like sensed we were there. And so I could see him like licking his nose. You know, bucks would like lick their nose to like – Oh, yeah. It like helps them smell better or something. And he's just trying to smell us, trying to smell us. And finally he's like, well, I can't smell anything. Um, I guess it's nothing. And he, he you yep. just like see it in his body language, and uh, that we had nose jammer on that day, and oh, that's awesome. And uh, it, it was like, man, that that stuff really worked. And I've just, <clears throat> I, I gotta say, you know, hope you know, I should probably knock on wood here, but <laughs> I, I really, I can't really think of a time when I was busted because I was you know, like a, a deer smelled me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now that being said, um, it could be, they do smell me and they just never walk into view, you know, like to go around me or something like that. So maybe that's uh, yeah. happened, but from the best I can tell, I use nose jammer, like almost every hunt, the stuff really works. And, uh, it's a good, it's a good tool to have, but anyway sounds like you had a you know at least a cool night. do deer feed on wheat i guess i i really thought no of that.
1: i i i didn't see them <clears> on <throat> the wheat. i saw them on the edge of the wheat
0: of course wheat's already harvested at this point isn't it it's already yeah that's uh, a summer yeah. crop but but uh they were just kind of well, traveling it, through it the field sh- it
1: should be it should be this public <laughs> area was not <laughs> oh,
0: I see. it's like a food plot in there or something.
1: I don't know what the heck. It Cover was, but it was, habitat. It was, it was rough.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but anyway, so the deer were moving around there. That's good to see. I saw some deer out on my way home from work tonight. I got off uh, pretty late tonight, finishing up uh, the harvest season. I reek of diesel fuel. We had fuel oh, yeah. issues on the combine. <laughs> and uh, I smell so bad of diesel that when I got home, my wife was giving the uh, kids a bath upstairs and I was in the downstairs in the kitchen. And uh-huh. uh, she's like, I could smell you all the way upstairs in the upstairs bathroom. That's how much. No. I, so Alex should probably smell me through this uh, video call right now. But, but uh, no, <laughs> on my, on my late ride home from work, um, I saw a bunch of deer out in the middle, kind of feeding out in the middle of the field too, like what you were seeing. So uh, kind of interesting, but, Anyways, yeah, this is a lot of like game banter. We need to get to like the hey. the meat and potatoes. This is just good we're, catching we're, up. We're we still got, talking hunting. That's right. We got tired brains, and it's just been it's just been uh, too long since we've just done a you and me episode. So, uh, what's uh, <clears throat> let's start with uh, Nevada mule deer uh, back okay. in back in September. Um, you want to just give us a rundown yeah. on? Like what the season was, and uh, you know just some of the general hunt plan details there.
1: Well, they got a pretty, uh, pretty long season, so that actually opens up in August. Now, I you know what everything's kind of a uh, whirlwind. I don't even remember my dates at this point. I'd yeah, have to go look may, at my flight.
0: Actually, you may have been, you may have been there in August. Now that I think about it, like that last week of August or some of the last few days. It,
1: Yeah, I was because I was in Colorado like three weeks later and that was like in the middle of September. So, so I, yes, so I was definitely there the the tail end of August and, um, yeah, so that was, that was a, that was a high country mule deer hunt and I, I haven't hunted Nevada since I moved away from there in 20. 18. And that was because I burned my points in 2018 as a resident. And then I moved. So I was rebuilding. So what, five years later, I, I drew a deer tag there. Wow. So I get the vibe.
0: uh, I get the vibe that Nevada is one of the toughest states to draw. Is that, is that accurate? It
1: is. It is. And it's, I would say that and, uh, and Arizona are probably the best when you really think of trophy as mm. far as just quality of animal it's like if you can get a tag in hand you're probably gonna have a good hunt sure that's 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 really the way to look at it so i i always tell clients that like if you're, if, if we're gonna start tag app you know really kind of building the portfolio three to five states and uh you gotta pick nevada or arizona as one of your so
0: yeah well, that's that's, that's uh, good to know, and it makes sense too. Just from like a like an ecology standpoint, I got to think those are two desert states. There's not going to be mm-hmm. as much biomass there, so they're going to be the tags are going to be a little bit fewer and far between compared to like going to Michigan for a you know a deer tag. You know, there's oh yeah, you're tripping over them up there. You know, yep. and there's just way more life. <laughs> in michigan than there is in nevada
1: really is yeah that's a good point um however i will say that you, you'd be surprised at how many deer you see mm, That's interesting. <laughs> uh, if if you're in a good area you know as, as far as i you know what i was shocked about the amount of 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 uh like feral mules really i saw feral horses and feral mules everywhere really i i knew the horses were an issue i just didn't i didn't remember that from living there like i never saw feral mules running around i saw them everywhere i mean it was crazy really (laughs) yeah
0: do you you think about shooting one of those
1: uh, i, I I'm just kidding. i uh, <laughs> eat
0: some burro <laughs> some not, burro burritos I'm not, lie. I'm
1: not gonna lie I was thinking i t- I totally would jump on that if it was a season just to get uh get those populations down because of just and they gotta be harsh on the environment
0: oh yeah well it's a huge debate because technically if alex would have shot one he'd be going to like you know Federal right. penitentiary, or something like that, if that exists, yep. go to Supermax there in Colorado. But, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's like a hotly contested, like, there's specific legislation protecting wild burros and uh, wild horses out west.
1: It's crazy.
0: <clears throat> and what also is interesting about it is, um, for the horses, anyways. The horses are native to America. However, they were extirpated from, you know, North America. Yeah. And uh, not because, you know, not likely because they were overhunted. Um, but, you know, just whatever. I mean, that could have been part of it. But uh, just whatever wiped out all those Pleistocene uh, era uh, uh, what do I want to say here megafauna that's what it is like all the grounds you know giant ground sloth the glyptodon the saber tooth cats all that stuff horses kind of went out with them it's believed but then uh, some of them survived obviously over in like Eurasia and right. then they were brought back over with the conquistadors from uh, Spain and uh, they repopulated North America. So it's like, the, to me, it's one of the most interesting stories. And I am in no yeah. way a horse person. You know how some, like, there's just horse people. Like, they just really yeah, like I horses. It. I am not that person, but I do find the story of the horse to be very interesting in North America. <laughs> but Yeah, I agree. But So you were seeing wild horses, though, everywhere. Could you just see that they were putting a hurt on like the vegetation and and stuff like that
1: no i i I, I, they were in very like arid areas it was was interesting it was a lot of like where i was traveling to and from not necessarily where i was hunting uh but they were definitely you know in the they were definitely in the desert that is for sure Hmm. so it was uh
0: that's really cool that you saw those but kind of annoying too yeah. i imagine okay oh, yeah.
1: you drive through like a little town and you'd have like you know three boroughs standing in the middle of the street you know and you're like what <laughs> is going on right now <laughs> <So, laughs>
0: last of those up and sell them
1: funny anyways uh, uh we can move on but but yeah uh, so funny. so
0: you're seeing them and this was an archery hunt right
1: yeah you know i i really was deliberate this year on saying like i'm gonna archery hunt more i've i've done a I've done a lot of rifle hunting in the last five years, so I figured I'd need to kind of go back to the archery stuff. So, so anyways, yes, I drew an archery tag, and uh, I had a client of mine, actually, he drew the same tag unknowingly. Uh, I, I guess not unknowingly we didn't apply together. It was more of like, if I draw cool, if you draw cool, and then we ended up both drawing and we were like, all right, cool. Are we going to hunt together? And then, Oh, we ended up hunting half the trip together. I did. I, I intended on hunting it solo, but it just worked out that he could be there for a period of time with me. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. So,
0: and, uh, weather was not good to you while you were there.
1: No, no. I, so, so I don't, i don't watch tv like
0: except I, when you're stranded I, in alaska after your like, uh, muskox
1: <laughs> yeah I, I i guess i guess let me let me change that i don't have like cable tv i have no interest in watching the news because it's all like just junk and and <laughs> because so
0: it's I, uh, I, not true <laughs> yeah i mean it's just
1: basically like Oh yeah, let me let me make a story just so people can tune in because we need to have a story. Like I, I don't like that. I'll watch live sports if it's purposeful, or I'll like if I want to seek something out, or I'll watch it on YouTube or, or a, a streaming service. Anyways, I had no idea there was a hurricane going on in California. No clue. <laughs> and and so, so I get there and I get in my rental. I, flew in, I didn't drive, so so I fly in and uh give my rental and the guy's like you know uh we're gonna get some bad weather tomorrow and i'm like real i'm in vegas like it's like 100 uh, it was like 110 in vegas oh man so i'm like i'm like yeah it's saying like 70s where i'm going and he's like no we got you know we got the uh the, the rains from the hurricane coming i'm like we're in the middle of the desert what mm. hurricane could <laughs> possibly be coming like, you know, I, then, then I go look on my phone and I was like, oh man, they're like legit. There's like a bad storm coming, you know? So so. anyways, I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I'm, I'm going out. Right. So I go out, I drive out. I don't know. It's like six hours to get into, get into where I wanted to hunt. And then, you know, you can, you can picture a high country mule deer hunt. Like it's, it's, you know, sage and greenery but you're like high up in the mountains so i i went and hiked up i ended up putting camp up at like ten thousand feet um pretty high and (laughs) i get to i got on this little nice bench and i had some tree cover and all that i ended up glassing for the night and then right as i was like getting ready to like pack it up i started seeing like the wind come in and i was having a hard time putting my tent up and then it's you know I'm, i ended up starting to get rain and then i ended up making dinner like in my tent because it started pouring <laughs> and uh yeah so that was kind of it and that rain uh it poured all night long i mean it was rough Was was and, your tent
0: situation better than edwin's tent
1: well, yeah, because I had a good <laughs> tent. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, yes, no, my tent was fine. I will say, though, like, um, I mean, it was so wet because of just so much rain that the edges of my tent, and it was a double-wall tent, but, but like, the bathtub there's of only it, so, it. There's
0: was, only so much of those things can do.
1: Yeah, I didn't get water in the tent, but I was getting transfer of moisture Onto my sleeping bag because of like how I was positioned. I was slightly like kind of. It wasn't completely flat. I had a slight angle. While okay, I was sleeping, yeah. you know, and I was I was touching the edge of it. So my sleeping bag had a little bit of moisture on it, but nothing nothing bad. But um, yeah, I woke up in the morning and I'm literally sitting there going like, "All right, like, <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna sit this one out or are you gonna like?" you know, barrel through it. Like what, you know, what's the thought? And I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm on my in reach looking at it. I'm like, all right, there's two more days of rain. That second day from here, it's like saying 40 to 60 mile an hour winds. I'm like, ah, like as much as I want to stay out here, like I just don't see how this is going to be a (laughs) good idea. Yeah. You're just going to be
0: surviving because the animals, that's what they're going to be doing too. So it's not like you're going to be, you know we're in this together guys and then when it's uh it when it's nice i'm gonna try and stick an arrow in you
1: <laughs> right right well and that and that was kind of it i'm like you know it's, it's shooting an arrow in in weather like that is, is never a good idea <laughs> anyways, might blow so right like, back
0: like, at you yeah but, exactly
1: right so <laughs> 60 mile an hour winds <laughs> i like you, anyways so i ended up i ended up um taking big like rocks putting them on my tent stakes i left a few things in my tent i go down i get back to my truck and then i drive back into the nearest town which is like three hours away and it was pretty gnarly i mean roads were torn up washed out i mean it looked like a lake in the middle of the desert from how much rain had come in and um i spent two days in town that's i mean that just sucked just as much there's nothing to do besides like waste time which i hate doing yeah and um you know doing it solo kind of sucks in my opinion like you know when you're like like that's where it really is nice having yeah. a buddy to be like oh let's go to town let's let's go grab a bite to eat and let's go sit at the bar or whatever the case was you know yeah so um yeah so that was that was the weather and I think it was day. I mean,
0: there, there had to be some danger there too, for like flash floods, right?
1: Oh yeah. And all that yeah, hard, yeah. hard pan ground. Well, and that, that's exactly it. Like the water had nowhere to go. It was washing out roads. It was just kind of sitting there in the middle of the desert. Um, it, it was, it was, it was rough. I, I, I don't ever remember seeing that live in there. So there was a lot of water to be in there in, yeah. in that period of time yeah honestly what uh, you saw
0: is probably quite rare you know i wouldn't be surprised if that was like record rainfall you know
1: it it was it it was record rainfall i mean i i was kind of keeping up with it on my phone trying to see what was going on and well obviously being in a hotel i did have tv so i could watch the updates of what was going on with the weather sure and um was there like yeah.
0: a, you know, sometimes in those desert areas after they have a rain like that, like a few days later, like all this, this, uh, plant life that is normally like dormant starts blooming and coming out. Did, did that kind of happen after the rain was, did, did it get a little more green?
1: I mean, it was, it was already green. Uh, the, you know, all of the West had such a good amount of moisture this year. It was it was exciting to see. I didn't notice any more greenery, but you Ooh. know, it's a lot of water when they like shut down roads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so I had to kind of wait it out to get back into where I was going because any of the travel corridors that I needed, as far as like the road access to get into those areas, was gone. So, anyways it was it kind of sucked i ended up going back and it was really funny because i ran into a few people hunting It was a group of three guys hunting kind of that same area i was surprised that i got in as easily as i did i thought it was gonna be worse and they were actually up there during the storm they stayed up and they had kind of like a base camp they didn't have one like at the mountain but i was joking when i pulled up to them because they were blocking the road with an atv i was like hey uh you guys see a orange and gray tent fly by anywhere <laughs> <laughs> and, and and they just started rolling and i was like i oh, don't know i'm serious like my t- my my tent's supposed to be like up there and i just was curious if you guys were hunting here and the wind blew anything over and they were like no like we didn't so that made me feel a little bit better i ended up heading up there and I was shocked that my tent was still there to be honest uh, with the the weather so (laughs) I was excited about that because I was like okay now I'm going to be in a in a sleeping bag in a bivvy if my tent is not up there so so that worked out and then uh, the rest of the hunt was actually pretty awesome I, I I saw a really nice tall three by three all the way up at the mountain he was basically Know, from where my camp was, it's was my dream buck right there,
0: man. A big old six.
1: Oh, he was nice. Uh he he, he came and fed out off of this like rock pile. And uh, I I saw a doe and a fawn, and the doe and the fawn were I, I kid you not, they were super light colored. Like and I'm not saying like white, but they were so light in tan. It was wild to me. Mm. And it was almost like yeah, comparing a uh, dark wood to like maple, you know, it was just like, ew, yeah. it was very, very light.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And,
1: and then this buck comes out feeding right next to him. And he's as dark as can be. I mean, he was dark, dark, dark gray. I mean, well, it was interesting. staggering.
0: Interesting yeah. gene pool up there.
1: Wild. Like you couldn't have seen polar opposites of those two. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I watched him all night and then, then at, then at night at, you know, I'm in a tent, I was like, all right, I'm going to make a play for him tomorrow. Cause I don't think he's going to be out of bed far from where he fed. Mm-hmm. So I ended up crossing. I went, I went down, went up. I don't know. It took me three hours to get to where he was. Cause it was pretty thick. Like, you know, just getting through the bush, you, you don't realize like how thick that stuff is. Yeah. And, um, I got up there, and then I, I literally hid behind this big rock face waiting for him to come out to feed. I sat there for 10 hours.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, Tony Church was, style, man.
1: Dude, I literally was like, so I don't know. It was it was 8 o'clock. Yeah, so it would have been 8 o'clock in the morning, and it was 4.45, I won't forget this. It was 4.45 in, in the afternoon. I got my GoPro. I'm videoing. And I had measured out exactly like where he would come out, how far my shot would be, yada, yada, yada. I got my tripod. I'm glassing. I'm glassing downhill, trying to see if anything's coming up the drainage and so on and so forth. And I can feel the wind start swirling. And it's going the opposite way. So it's now, now that that swirling wind would technically be giving him a little bit of the upper edge because it would be going to him. And and I'm sitting there on video, going, "The wind swirled. This is not good." I'm hoping that the deer is not bedded right behind me. And as I'm saying this, and then, and then I start glassing downhill, I literally hear, you know, a a deer just you know do its whole little wheezy barky noise yeah and i turn and it's the buck and he's 50 yards to my left and he is barreling down the mountain and i'm like you gotta be kidding me Uh, he was literally right where i thought he would be if i was getting a shot off on him because he would be feeding instead he was he literally barked and ran down the hill and i have a video just like hopping down the hill and i'm like oh you gotta be joking so that's (laughs) brutal oh it sucked it sucked and then uh i watched i watched that same doe and fawn feed probably like 300 yards away from me and then i had a little forky cut after that at night and then i went back down to camp Jimmy came up at that point and then, uh, he had set up camp and I got in and I don't know, we chatted, we had dinner and that was kind of the night. And then I was, I wasn't bummed. I mean, it's, it's hunting, but it sucks to sit there for nine hours and have the wind swirl. And
0: yeah, that's, that's, that's rough when that, when that goes down like that, you know, where it's so hard for any any type of archery hunting to get into position to where you can, you know, have a shot opportunity, even, you know, let's contrast what we were talking about earlier, even in like Michigan, how hard is it to, you know, if you hunt hard all season long, I'd say the average bow hunter is probably going to get maybe a maximum five shot opportunities, you know? Oh yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's range. In,
1: It's all range.
0: Right. And now you're in even, you know, a thousand times more challenging circumstance. And, uh, when that happens, it's just so crushing, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'll be the first to say, you know, I guess for us, but even for obviously listeners, it's what you see on TV and what you see as far as like, it's not easy. You know, like you, are seeing the tidbits of stuff where people are successful but you right. don't realize that that, that individual could be hunting for three weeks. Right. You're talking about Tony streets yep. like he's yep. out for months hunting one deer, you know? Yeah. So for me, it was like, all right, I got four days to make this happen. And I sat on him. And then the next day, Jimmy and I is, so Jimmy gets in the camp. We're sitting there. We wake up in the morning and the cool thing is like this year this year my method to the madness was going to was really camp where you're going to want to glass from in the morning because that way you're saving a lot of time in the morning
0: yeah
1: Yeah. so that was a big change for me because usually i i would have a base camp set up at the bottom of the mountain and i'd be glassing up or i'd be hiking up and i was like yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna try a little bit of a, a different scenario here so we we get up and we start glassing right away and we start finding deer and we find a group of six bachelor bucks nice. and two of them are two of them are are really really big deer uh, like I would say like one seventies oh, you know man, yeah. nice 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 deer and then uh, a few little little dinks and whatnot hanging out with them but anyways we we watched them kind of go into a drainage but not really knowing what happened past that point right so we kind of like put our eggs in that basket of like all right well we're going to go after these deer try to find them sure and um needless to say we spent the next two days trying to ambush deer that weren't actually we were basically figuring these deer would be coming into this area. And I know for a fact they do because I've I've hunt planned that area and it's been successful on the ambushes. But the problem is we had so much water that I just threw out any of the typical strategy to it because there was no need of water.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So I ended up finding my uh, three by three buddy. He wasn't too far away from our actual camp, but we ended up moving our camp down to a base the next day in the evening hunted out of there and then we ended up uh our final day we ended up camping out probably like two hours north of where we were at and hunting some like ag field drainages it was basically like waterways that led to ag fields uh, from private to public we saw a ton of deer in that morning um jimmy missed a deer at like 50 yards and uh, that was that was kind of the end of our trip there uh yeah. it, you know in 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 quick summary but i mean real fun hunt awesome experience i wouldn't really change anything i, I feel like i stayed true to my hunt plan i moved around i didn't get married to a spot mm. i you know felt pretty good about all that yeah i got
0: a couple good stocks in and that's you know that's huge having that you know it's kind of like every time you come away from a hunt you come away with some new skills or at least some refined skills and totally. uh, that's like a scrimmage you know what i mean for yeah for spot and stock archery to get to get an opportunity uh like like that to to practice your your stocking skills that's I'd say that's that's a pretty important opportunity right there. So, yeah, definitely all is not okay. lost and would you go back and do it again?
1: Yeah, I would. I think the I think the thing that I would change is I would I would go further into the wilderness on the next go around. Hmm. I was like on the edge of the wilderness. I was in a really good area, but I would go further into the wilderness because I I didn't see a ton of hunters but the hunters that i did see were all road hunters and i i just know for a fact if i got further into the wilderness i would have probably seen bigger deer hmm. and um yeah they're just,
0: they're just adjusting to that
1: that pressure and they're getting old <laughs> by yeah, doing and, so and, it was interesting. Yes. Yes. And it, actually when Jimmy was, uh, so we moved camp, we were down at, you know, at our base camp, kind of a deal. Uh, we ran into another guy who who came out and Jimmy had hunted that same unit the year before and recognized them. So then they started chatting and, uh, you know, I was telling Jimmy, I'm like, yeah, you know, here's, here's where I think the bigger deer are Blah 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 blah. Well, this guy kind of confirmed it because he had like phone scope image of,
0: oh yeah, some really
1: nice deer. And and I, I wasn't surprised because I figured those two big bucks and that that bachelor group. I think they headed in that direction because they had no need to be down where they were. Sure. So, uh, anyways, I think I think that probably would have been the better play early on, and then kind of hunt our way back to get closer if we needed.
0: Yeah. Well, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right. But it's good that you came away with some, some really good, um, you know, little adjustments that you can make in the future. And, and, um, you know, I'm sure at the time when you were hunting, you were making the best decisions uh, possible based on the information you were gathering. So, oh, yeah, so, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's all part of it, but I'm glad to hear that you're planning to, uh, well, you at least you know you're open to going back there, and hopefully oh, yeah. that that pays off in the future. Now, after that hunt, you went to was yeah Colorado, right? To do your yep. a, a week of elk hunting. Was that yeah? Was that an OTC hunt?
1: It was the dreaded OTC.
0: <laughs> Did you see yeah. elk? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So right there, you are way ahead of the game for most OTC oh, yeah. Colorado elk hunters.
1: Yeah, I um, I didn't send you. I got I I got to send you a video of it. But yeah, so so kind of interesting how this played out. I I put in for a a unit to hunt with a buddy, but again, we did, did separate entries because I was non-resident. He's a resident. He drew, I didn't. I tried to pick up a tag multiple times from the return tag list. I tried to get I tried to do a secondary draw. I, I tried basically every option, didn't get one. However, I ended up snagging a return tag for a, for a deer in a different unit. So then that unit was an over-the-counter elk unit. So I ended up getting an over-the-counter tag and said. You know, I always hunt elk and run into deer. I might as well have a deer tag. I'm gonna treat this like a elk hunt. <laughs> and if yeah. I run into deer, great. And uh it's kinda kinda what happened to be honest. I uh I hunt planned the area. I had five different hunt areas and I literally same thing that I tell a client all the time, like I literally said it today on the phone with a client. I'm like, do not get married to the spot, hunt it for you know at least two sits be in that spot or whatever in that area if you don't see stuff you don't see sign whatever you got to move because yeah. the, the thing the thing with elk hunting like whether you're hunting mountain goats sheep moose whatever like they have patterns they're going to be in the same majority of the time they're going to be in similar areas or the same area right. elk are not like that they move like you might see them today one place and you're going to see them tomorrow for four miles away. Hmm. It makes it very, very difficult to hunt them. Like you ask any guy, they're going to tell you that that is the most difficult thing to hunt. And that's, that's what Selic hunting tough. And you got them in the rut, which is great, but they were yeah. not vocal at all where I was.
0: Is that, and is that because it's an OTC unit you think? And they're just getting called at so much.
1: I actually, I don't, I mean, I, so I, I was in a really rough place. And, um, purposely I didn't, I, I saw people at like kind of the base total in, in multiple hunt areas. I probably saw 20 people.
0: Oh man. That's not bad.
1: No, not at all. I ran into two guys on the mountain. One guy on my fourth day I ran into because he was actually hunting the same area that I was and I was six miles in and I ran into a guy on my fifth day in the same area that I ran into the other guy, except he was packing a bull out when I ran into him. Oh man. So, and bless his soul. I mean, so, so, so I, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. My first day I went into an area, I got in there, I set up like a kind of a, a base camp at the bottom of the mountain. And I, went up and kind of checked things out uh and i I followed a river up on a trail ran into like some loggers and i ran into a couple i talked to the couple a little bit they were up there for the week they said they only heard one bugle all week and Mm. they did not see any other elk besides well they didn't see any elk they just heard that one so that kind of was like all right either the rut's not on yet or they're being quiet uh you know i needed to figure that out myself i, yeah. I went in the next morning and uh, i went up real early i hit the trail at like three in the morning and uh hiked in the dark for probably three hours wow so i was i was i was hoofing it Did you use i a got light? in yeah like i a had headlamp. a headlamp okay yeah, but I, I had it with like the green light. Sure. So my whole intention was I was gonna be pretty quiet. I was gonna, I was gonna move because I wanted to be in a position where I could glass and or intercept something, you know, yep. by daylight. Yep. So I don't know that I would do that in Montana with grizzlies, but I would right, definitely yeah. do that in Colorado. So yeah. yep. I have no problem doing that in Colorado, and I will say I did not have. I didn't have my handgun or anything with me. I didn't even want to pack it in Colorado. It's kind of nice, just, just the bow. Yeah, kind of nice. So, anyways, I ended up uh, I ended up getting to a spot, and I finally made a cow call. And this is a video I got to send you, but I I cow called, and then I'm sitting there like eating a protein bar. I'm on camera like videoing, and I'm like, "This is how you scare everything. You eat a." protein bar with a crunchy wrapper and everything can hear it right and it literally as i'm saying that here comes this little spike running down this ridge and he's barking like he's he's like legit barking and i'm like i've never heard a spike bark like that (laughs) that's
0: interesting
1: totally so i couldn't figure out if he was if he was coming in because of the cow call and he was like upset were like calling me out. I couldn't figure it out. If if somebody else knows this, uh by all means educate me. But I've I've just never seen it. I not what I have seen, and this is why I do feel like the rut was on for one, and I know that the elk later on, as I was kind of figuring out, the elk just weren't in the vicinity that I was in. But I think that a bull took the cows. One of the cows was his mom and he was kicked out of the group. Uh,
0: Okay, yeah. He's trying to find. And
1: him. He, exactly, so he hears this cow call, and now he's coming into it. And he was very—he was like apprehensive. He stopped at about fifty yards, and he kept looking down this ridge. And he was—I mean, like a cartoon character. He was prancing around, man, like he was going up and down. And his—I'm like watching his legs going up, and it was hilarious. Really? Um. So, anyways, he can't shoot a spike in uh, in that unit. It was okay. a four-point unit, so I was just sit there kind of watching him, and then I ended up leaving him. He just kept barking at me, so I was like, ah, I'm just walking away from you. So I end up walking for probably another hour, just going straight up on this. I mean, it was it was steep. And I get to another bench, and I stop, and I'm like, oh, this is, a great, this is a great spot to glass, and I could probably camp from here. And literally, I put my – bag down i turn around here comes seven bucks coming up this ridge like mule deer bucks and, yeah mule deer bucks yep wow and uh and i'm now i'm like grabbing my ball i'm trying to get my gopro i'm trying to do the whole thing right because i'm trying to i'm trying to range where they're at and i, I range it 72 yards and i'm like all right i got to get my pin the whole deal by the time I get this whole thing, the very last buck is is stopped in that spot. I pull back at the pin. As soon as I release the arrow, he moves. The arrow goes flying right under him. Oh. And I'm like, ah! Oh. Like, here we go. Like, day one, I could have had it yep. down. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yep. um, and again, another three-by-three. Three. So this is like the year of the three-by-threes for me. So... Anyways, I watch them go up and around, and they go up to, to the mountaintop, and I'm like, "All right, how am I going to get there?" And I had already, I had already seen the spike, and I bumped two, two does at the time, and then I had these seven bucks come through. So it was a really good first day of hunting, um, or or hiking at this point because I was just trying to get to a spot, and and that was that was a lot of action. I camped up actually no i didn't i was pretty torn up that day i hunted hard the whole day i didn't get back to my truck until like i don't know it had to have been like 8 30 9 o'clock at night
0: mm. yeah, no for sure
1: it was a full day and i had a full pack because i didn't know where i was going to sleep and the whole deal i ended up making it back i camped at the truck that night and then i ended up moving to to the to uh, to what i called hunt area 2 at that point point. and that was because i didn't see i didn't see a lot of sign of elk and i didn't hear anything and i quickly realized the elk are not going to be like they were going to be at the top of the top of the top of the mountain like i was betting money on it i was looking at the maps and i'm just like it just doesn't make sense like there's water here there's food if they're not here, it's just because it's so hot. They got to be all the way up at the top, and I'm not hearing them because they're all the way up at the top. Yeah. And what I'm saying, like the top, it's like 13,000 feet. I mean, oh, it man. is like, yeah, that's you know. There. So, anyways, the second day I go into the second area, I don't see jack. I mean, it is just dry as a bone. Uh, mm. I I didn't stay. I didn't stay out there that night. I ended up packing back, and I, then I was I was. So Sore from the day before. So I ended up getting a hotel that night refreshed. And then I had had, headed into uh, like my fourth or fifth area that I had, I was kind of bouncing around and I, what I was, what I was stuck on was water up high with food. Like those were the three things that I was like trying to hit on. Mm -hmm. I ran into two, two guys that had horses as I was getting into like where I was going to camp and I, I was said, Hey, you guys got horses. Like it's pretty gnarly up here. I'm, I'm betting the elk are all the way at the top. And they're like, yeah, they are. And I was like, Oh, were you up there? And they're like, yeah, we we went as high as we could with our horses. And we probably still needed to go up a thousand feet before we hit the elk." And I was like, bingo. Like I knew it. And, um, you know, and, 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 and at that point it kind of hit me, I don't know, it was what the third day at this point, it already had hit me that I'm, I don't know that I'm willing to go up there to kill an elk because I'm by myself and mm. it would be absolutely treacherous to try to pack out an animal from there
0: Yeah, of that yeah. size by yourself so well. that's a responsible admission and and call we had uh well we know him as john here on this uh podcast he's still active duty with uh um a special operations division of the military we'll say uh he just he just did a uh otc colorado elk hunt and he made that call too at one point he's like you know uh this looks like a good spot but if i shoot something here I'm not going to be able to get it out by myself, and right, and uh, you know, I just think that that takes a lot of, um, you know, strength, mental fortitude, you know, and not, not uh, just be like, nah, well I'm going to push it, and and uh, you know, we'll see how the details iron out in the end, you know, it's right. Just, it's good to make that that ethical decision like that.
1: Yeah, it just it wasn't it, you know, it it was kind of funny. I, I, you know, when you're hunting solo, your camera becomes your best friend because you're, right? Yeah, you're you're talking to your camera, right? And yep. and I was doing a lot of that, right? Because I'm sitting there going, like, all right, I'm pretty crazy, but I but I'm not stupid, you know. Like, if I shoot a big bull, and 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 we we did when I say we, I ended up in that burn. Like I could hear stuff at night. Moving around, so I knew there were animals there mm-hmm. and uh the next morning, I needed water, so I had to go trudge a mile down to get water and then as I was coming back, I ran into the guy and we were we we were both circling this like it wasn't really like a wallow, it was almost like a little pond okay and yeah. um and and my whole point was like I was gonna just sit this water hole at this point because I'm like if it's hot. You know, you never know, a bull could come down here. Right. A buck could come in and drink from it. I ended up bumping a few deer in the morning. I was walking through the burn just to see what was going on. And I, you know, I was still hunting it. And, um, I ended up talking to him and then we both were like, yeah, I mean, we're both solo. We ended up hunting the rest of the day and then we ended up like getting back down. I, I went down, moved my truck. We ended up, uh kind of sharing camp that night and then the next day we were we were gonna hunt another area which we did and it was like a total uh, complete opposite it was like flats by some private property and some like crops. yeah because because at that point i think we both said this he said the same thing he's like dude he's like uh i was thinking the same thing like if i go up higher and and we we were talking about it. He had a spotting scope and he had his phone scope with um, and he was videoing, and the elk were like, I mean, the peak of the peak. Like I was, I was looking with my spotter and I could see bighorn sheep, and then to the right of the bighorn sheep, you're seeing like a bull and like eight.
0: that's crazy.
1: So, and it, 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 yeah, it's well, it's crazy. But and then you're like, okay, well, I was camped at eleven thousand. That dude's at like twelve five. So that would take me. <laughs> like another hour to hour and a half to go up and it's like sheep country. And now if I was to kill that bull, it would take me four hours to get back down. It would take me another eight hours to go up and I'm probably going to have four pack outs. So like you do the math there, like that just sounds awful in every respect. Right. Right. So we both were like, yeah, that ain't happening. And, and then, (laughs) So I said, well, let's tag team. Let's go hunt this other area. If we kill something, you know, we have each other to pack out. So we ended up doing that and we ran into elk over there. Surprisingly, um, we followed a bull track and then we ran into some other hunters and they found elk in the same vicinity. I don't know if they killed one or not, but it kind of like, it got to that point where it was just like we're going to hunt the elevation that we want to hunt. If we run into something cool, if we don't, we don't, uh, he ran into a cow and a calf on his like last day. And then I had bumped some deer and whatnot. So it wasn't like we weren't finding animals. It was just the factor of like, they're not willing to go get them at this point and that's okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good to hear that because, you know, it helps set reality and, into view for everyone who hasn't gone through that before and uh you know there's <clears throat> that was you know i oftentimes refer back to our bear hunt but that's part of bear hunting too you know like you shoot something if it's on the edge of some like really thick cover yeah and you might never find that bear you know it's just it's too thick they ha- they don't bleed a lot when you shoot them and you know So you got to kind of weigh that into your decision with that too. Am I just going to shoot something that's going to go, you know, die and I'll never find it, you know, or do I just wait for a better opportunity? So, man, sounds like you had some pretty awesome experiences though out West. Um, Never regret, even, even if you don't fill your tags, you still learn so much. I'm sure you feel that way. And, uh, you know, got to explore some new beautiful country, got to be there for a hurricane in uh, the desert, which is uh yeah. pretty wild. And, uh, um, you know, all that, all that experience that, that you got to enjoy. I'm just, uh, you know, I was like, every time I was seeing pictures, like, man, I wish I was with Alex right now. That would be so much fun, <laughs> but we'll do that again uh, here it soon. Would. But, it would. but, uh, I want to thank Alex again for coming on to, uh, tell us about his hunting experiences, uh, you can find out more by talking to him yourself. You can go to EastWestHunts.com and uh, request a free consultation, and Alex will break down what all goes into a hunt plan. As you can, as you heard him reference a few times, he does these for himself too when he goes on a hunt. So that shows mm-hmm. you how you know he believes in proof of concept, right? And so uh, yep. he he will do the same for you. Put together an incredible hunt plan. Um, doesn't guarantee that you're going to come home with something, but, man, does it improve your odds. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I've uh, watched that uh, play out firsthand before. So go to East to West Hunts, request Alex, uh, and uh, I'm sure you'll, uh, you after talking with him, you'll have a much clearer picture and a much more realistic uh, picture on what it's going to take to reach your hunting goals. So again, East West Hunts, tell them this podcast sent you and you'll save 10% there. And then um the other sponsor we need to mention is our presenting sponsor, Spartan Forge just had Bill on last week. Excellent interview with Bill. I'm um, just great, always good catching up with him and you know, we talked a little bit about the ups and downs of bow hunting and and uh you know, everything else going on with with his life right now. He just got back from a an elk hunt as well and uh so uh you can get on board though with what bill uh, put together which is the incredibly powerful mapping app deer behavior prediction app even if you want to a weather app um but you can uh, get all that for a yearly fee of 39.99 or uh, if you want to just pay monthly you can do 7.99 a month um but uh if you're if money's too tight for that you can just download it for free get the property boundary mapping get the uh uh satellite view mapping and the um uh topo uh map uh you can get that uh as well so but if you want more if you wanna get like the lidar you wanna get the um uh, deer behavior prediction the weather intel all the those other capabilities that that app is has built in you're going to have to subscribe to those uh to those services and i strongly strongly suggest that you do alex does i do caleb does uh we all use it and we love it and uh, it's just a super valuable tool and a great value uh when it comes to uh the bank account as well uh <laughs> priced mm-hmm. very very affordably and it's for all 50 states you know, or at least all 48 of the lower 48. So <laughs> you want to, you definitely want to check out Spartan Forge. You can find a link in these show notes or in my link tree in the bio on my Instagram profile. And then last but not least, you go on some giant hunt like this. You shoot a big old slob muley or big old toad of, a, uh, of an elk. Uh, you're going to want to get it memorialized the right way. Go to Old Barn Taxidermy. Get it done as it should be done. Um, Don't settle for poor quality taxidermy work. Get the best that money can buy, and that is Old Barn Taxidermy. Um, They do everything, guys. I mean, they, they do it, and it's a work of art, and it cannot leave the shop until it passes Sam Gaylord, the founder, the owner of Old Barn, until it passes his inspection. Um, it's got a, it's, it's really got to meet all the standards that he wants, uh, his work to come out of the, their shop with. So go to old barn tax You can find a link for that in the show notes. Tell him that this podcast sent you there. That's, that's uh, really important for me, uh, to, uh, you know, maintain that good relationship with uh, a new partner. So, uh, tell him that and, um, man, thanks again, Alex. And thank you to our listeners please leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple podcasts. If you haven't yet, it's just, I know it's kind of a pain. We always ask for that, but that helps build momentum for the show as we get those reviews and even do a written review. That'd be fantastic as well. Um, but, uh, we really appreciate you guys. Um, Alex and I are both bushed. He's been out hunting all Mm -hmm. evening. He got soaking wet. You know how that is. And I've been fighting the combine all day. So, uh, I am, uh, I'm worn out, man. But until, until next time, everybody, take care and take someone hunting.